This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, the Summer Seminar Series, that warm blanket that kept us kind of snug and cozy all throughout the summer as it gave us that little bit of football knowledge and football love that we all have a deep heartful, passionate sense for hopefully this series has really given you an opportunity to really get a little closer to the game and and really improve your understanding of what makes those players outstanding on Saturdays and Sundays in our respective sport. And here to conclude the series, I can think of no better person, certainly last but certainly not least. He is a football coach, a football skill acquisition coach, in really specifically focusing on both movement skill as well as helping young players in terms of recruiting and helping them achieve their dreams. I'm talking about Mr. Ross Cooper. Ross, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, making a triumphant return uh, this year from last year. Welcome to the show, my friend. Matt, thanks for having me, man. We had a good time last year, so I look forward to it this year. Sorry for the delay. I know we tried to do this last week and I got a little bad internet connection. So I appreciate you having me on, man. Oh, no, the pleasure is entirely ours because as we've been kind of rolling through this series, talking about movement marvels, we've had uh, a lot of different takes on offensive positions, but I know that you're excited tonight to talk about a defensive player. So I'm just going to kind of lead the show with that little tidbit, that little carrot hanging out there for all you in defensive minded football fans out there. I hope you're excited as I am. So Ross, I, let's just get right into it. I mean, as I've asked every presenter in this series, I've said, listen, you know, movement marvels is the theme. And we know that our game has so many at, across so many different positions that we can point to. But I always ask them, you know, what is a movement marvel in your eyes? What what came to your mind when you heard that? I mean, what what was it that you thought of? I mean, to, to quote one of your hashtags on your profile, be like water. Okay. And I wonder if that was something that kind of came into your mind when you heard this theme. So I'm just going to let you kind of muse on that movement marvels. Where did you go with it? When you kind of gave me the rundown and what was going to go on, that was the first thing I thought of, man. It's the Bruce Lee quote where it says, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. If you put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. If you put water into a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Water can flow, it can crash, be water. And the next thing I really thought about is think about that quote from the point of view of what the water's crashing into. Think about it from the point of view from the actual teapot, from the actual bottle. The water is formless and shapeless because the other objects are form that the water is flowing with and around and above. And it made me really think about the, the shapeless, formless part without those objects you ha- you don't have the chance to be shapeless. You don't have the chance to be formless. It-, it can only become that because of the other things. And I started thinking about it from the point of view of a football point of view is, you know, it's not a game of just one player out there. It's 22 me- moving pieces. It's the environment. It's the field. It's the condition of the field. It's the off-the-field stressors. And when I thought about that B. Water quote, I just kind of thought about it a little deeper. And I just said, you know what, so many times we'll think about it just from the water's point of view. But like all the other things that the water is interacting with, the affordances that it are that allows the water to flow and to move and to fill, 
And that's that's exactly. It's funny you said that because that's exactly where my mind went right away. And you probably knew that. That's why you said that. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, what, what I really love about what you just said, though, is that you took the whole quote and you flipped it around a little bit. You actually looked at it from the tea kettle and the cup standpoint, which is, I think, very deep right now. So, I mean, we're going to we'll, we'll everybody muse on that for a little while. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I think in, in many ways you're discussing let the problem reveal the skill. Let the situation unveil who that player is rather than we sit there and try to describe them in isolation. And I think that's so wonderful. And, and it talks about that adaptability and being like water. And I, that has been a common theme unsolicited by me, by the way, it just seems to be a united theme throughout the entire series. So it, it comes to no surprise that somebody from your background in terms of your experiences would go that way. So without further ado, without further gilding the lily or burying the, kind of lead so to speak speak what can you tell me about the position and the player that you chose for this final episodic you know kind of ending i went with stefan gilmore and i kind of thought um you know um sean had said man why don't you go with lamar jackson i thought you know that'd be a really good one i I love db play you know it's it's what i played it's what i work with a lot of dbs but it's it's just a position that involves so much of that be water mindset. And it's, it's something that when I think we all know Gilmore stats, we all have seen what he does on Sunday. We see that he's now, you know, whatever the top 100 list means to you, good or bad. Cause it was kind of crazy on some points, but it shows that he, he is one of those top players in the league. And in my mind, he has the opportunity to be one of those Hall of Fame caliber corners. And there are a lot of great guys, you know, from the prime times to the to the Revises. And I think he has the chance to be that that guy who can dominate the entire side of the field that by what he does, it now has such a vital impact on the space and the ability for his teammates to play. And it's just the DB position I love because – you know, um, Mike said this in his, and he was y'all were having crooked cracking some jokes at the end. Why are you oh, serious? I hope Mike. I hope Mike's going to listen to this because Mike, that was right there, <laughs> right there, shot across the bow. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you better go back to episode three of this series and, and listen because Ross is Ross is Ross is answering right now. I mean, Mike's right. Wide receivers are tremendous athletes, and the beauty of it is, is even when they adapt, they have a real good idea what they're about to do. You know, they know the route. As a DB, you may know the coverage scheme that you're in. You may know some of the traits or the things that a wide receiver really likes to do, but you really don't know what's coming. So if you are not a guy who is your entire mindset is, I must be adaptable the second I step on that football field. I must allow the game to be led by my perception. We all know we perceive to act, we act to perceive. But, I mean, it has to go deeper than that because at the DB position, all it takes is for a split second for your eyes to be bad and you're screwed. You know, high eyes can tell you lies. So it really comes down to where am I looking? What am I seeing? What information am I taking in to decision make off of? And it's tough because as a DB, a lot of your game is moving backwards. A lot of your game is the unknown. And it's, it's why I love the position because I think it's just the guys that are just exceptional at it. It's such a high level of skill, but for me, it's such adaptable skill where every step is rep without rep leading into the next step. And I think it's just, it's just amazing skill set. So let me ask you a question about 
playing the position to kind of frame our discussion a little bit about Stefan Gilmore and what makes him so intriguing at his position. Take us through it because I think in, in, in most podcasts, you know, at least the ones that I'm familiar with that I get a chance talking fantasy wise and evaluation wise, we, we tend to focus on a lot on the offensive players and sometimes we get into the defensive players, but just to kind of take us through some of those responsibilities, some of those obstacles, some of those things that the, the actual cornerback position or DB position is dealing with. Is it, my first question is what are some of those obstacles? Number one, number two, the, 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 the story behind that position tends to always be, well, they're always reactionary. They're always reacting to the DB. And I wonder to what degree is that a fair statement or is it kind of an incomplete thought? So I was wondering if you could kind of take us through the mentality of being on the field in that position. And we can talk, you know, we can talk a general schemes. We can talk, you know, cover two, cover three, whatever you want to do in order to make that a reality feel free to kind of talk to us about getting inside that player's head. I think a lot of it has to do, and I kind of told you this is kind of where I was going to kind of go with this. You you can do all the drills. You can have the best speed. You can be a guy who's a physical corner, physical DB. And of course, all those things have to be under context of, of your skill. I think for Gilmore, one of the most impressive things is, and it's something that's needed so badly at the position, is your special awareness. Because now we get into a situation where for you to make any decision on the football field, for you to perceive something and be able to find a solution, you have to now have some type of awareness of your surroundings. You have to have an awareness of your space. So maybe that means it's man coverage. Well, man coverage, you understand. I'm covering this particular wide receiver. Whatever he does, I have to find a solution for. Maybe it will be a cover two in zone. Maybe it's a cover three, whatever that case may be. Now you understand, okay, I'm still covering the the wide receiver, but I'm now covering just this block of space too. But even then something could change. One wide receiver could come into your territory, your zone, your flat, and then be gone. So for me, I think it's just a tremendous ability to understand the surrounding environment and everything that's happening in front of you. So for me, for Gilmore, it's like, it goes back to the, um, original quote I said with Bruce Lee, be formless, shapeless. I really feel like he is formless, he's shapeless, he's like water. But for him, it's a dance. He has the ability where he leads, he also follows. He doesn't just try to control, but he controls while he adapts. And I think it's, I think it's really a situation where he flows. The best word I could think of to describe it is he really has the ability to flow for the demands of what the wide receiver is doing what scheme he's playing, for what the demands are, man, zone, whatever that case may be, and his awareness of space. It's more than just it's more than just him playing the wide receiver. He has the ability to decision make as he flows. And that's something that he's shown not only with the way he sees the field and he decision makes, but really even in situations where he's in the midst of making a play, you'll you will see him adapt to whatever the wide receiver does in the last minute. And it's really something that, for me, he just doesn't play the guy in front of him. He really plays the entire environment and has given him the opportunity to make some plays and even ways that he will move. It's because that's how he sees and approaches things. So take us inside maybe a couple of those ideas because I think they're really fantastic. And to just give us a visual of maybe what you think of, like what what would you see from Gilmore or from 
a player of that caliber or skill level at the position in terms of adapting to the wide receiver, let's say throughout the route stem? What are mm-hmm. some things that you notice about Gilmore and his peer and his way of playing the game that shows you that he's incredibly adaptable to the player throughout the route stem? What are some things that he does as a player that you think really separate him from others? I think I kind of jotted this down in my notes when I was thinking about it, and I went back and I watched a lot of his film. So many DBs just play the wide receiver. If they're in man, they just play the wide receiver. So many DBs, if they're in zone, whatever it may be, cover two, cover three, they're just playing, this is my responsibility, this is what I'm doing. That's why many times you will see, even when a guy's in zone, he doesn't make a play that's right in front of him. He's so, as crazy as it may sound, he's so focused on the thing he thinks he needs to be focused on, then when the surroundings around him, something changes, it throws everything off. So for Gilmore, I really believe it's a situation where he plays the space, he plays the ball, he plays the opponent, and everything in that space as his directed goal. And the wide receiver is just an obstacle in that space that he flows with and off of. So for me, it's that he really has this uncanny ability. And to me, I really, I really think it's because he has the ability where he really perceives things with the mindset of, you know what, as soon as something changes, I have the ability to change with it. But he sees it as a dance where it's that constant, it's that constant ability to say, I'm not just playing the guy in front of me. I'm literally, I'm playing the ball. I'm playing the space. And for me, I think the best way to describe it is, is he plays space. He plays the environment. And the wide receiver just happens to be within that. And you know what? I love that you're talking about the entirety of the situation as being that which really shapes the magnificence or marvelousness of his respective ability at the position. It's not one thing. It's the entirety of everything that he does. So, I mean, once we get to that route stem and and doing things like dealing with players in, in, in the open field or dealing with running backs, his tackling, his ability to tackle. One of the things I think, you know, and, and forgive me and, and tell me if I'm wrong, please correct me, but his physicality as a, as a cornerback is very well known. He's not somebody to shy away from contact. Can you, can you kind of maybe unpack where contact collisions, tackling ability fit within Stefan Gilmore's game and maybe how it differentiates him or maybe how it makes him a, a really potential difference maker at that position as maybe compared to other players that you might see, what makes him so versatile? I think once again, it goes back to his ability to adapt. And as you said that, I thought about a play, it was versus the Rams and he came up to make a tackle and he got stiff arms. And I mean, not only did he get stiff arm running back to a solid stiff arm on him and he started going down in that play. He still forced the fumble. He punched the ball out. And um, basically as he was going down, he had the wherewithal, to still decision make. There were there are a lot of DBs in the game that would come up with one thing. Either shooting for the ankles or shooting for the knees. Or if I'm coming up with a plan where I'm gonna to try to, you know, peanut punch the ball out, that's what I'm doing. And then suddenly when that stiff arm comes, they're in trouble because now what they planned, the space not only did the environment change around them, but the space changed. So with in this particular play, Gilmore comes up. Running back throws an exceptional stiff arm on him. As he's going down, you can see the wherewithal in him to now say, I have to find a way to still get the job done. And what he does is 
you can almost see the wheels turning when he realizes, well, if this running back is throwing a stiff arm, and it's a good one that he's just smushed my face, he only has one ball on, he only has one hand on the ball now. And he reaches up as he's going down, and he still pops that ball loose and creates a forced fumble and a turnover. And to me, when I watched that, I just thought about not only the angles of which now he's in a compromised position, he's falling, the running back is not only stiff-arming him, but within split seconds, he's about to get past him, and we don't know what could happen after that. And he has the wherewithal and the ability to say, even in a position that this guy put a great move on me, a, a excellent stiff arm, I still have the ability to de- adapt I can decision-make within my decisions. I can adapt within adapting, and he still pops the ball out and causes a fumble. As he goes, and as soon as he does that, the running back finishes a stiff arm and throws him to the turf, but he still made the play. And even better than a tackle, he just created a turnover. Well, and see, like that's what I think is so phenomenal. Like You just described it, decisions within decisions, the ability to adapt on the fly and still be able to get the job done. It goes back to something that I actually posted today. Um, it was um it was it was uh basically a running list of you know different types of wide receivers and guys that you think are good and 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 one I chose was uh, he's not a young player but he's a new player in the NFL and and that's Hunter Renfro and I think he's an exceptionally skillful player and the one thing that I chose from him to kind of showcase that was almost a rugby style play where he makes a catch He's about to get tackled, but yet he knows that it's third and 15 and he has to get the first down. And he literally backward laterals the pass to another receiver behind him who can then pick up the ball and literally go and get the first down. It was almost like, you know, it would be the same thing as offloading a pass in rugby and it's offloading the ball, you know, behind yourself so you can make the play. That's what Hunter Renfro did in an NFL game on third and 15 just to ensure that the team got the first down. It's that type of awareness that you're looking for. And and so, Ross, I mean, bringing this back to Stefan Gilmore, I mean, when you talk about him, it was very well known that Bill Belichick wanted him, wanted him intensively. He says that was a guy that he hated going up against. So, I mean, you've kind of outlined that he's got these tools. He has the ability to flow. He has the ability to literally adapt to almost any situation possible. And in terms of getting into contact, managing collisions, those styles of problems, he just seems like a a, a DB that is on a completely different level. Before we, we kind of transition to another point, though, are there any other things that really separate Gilmore in your mind from other DBs? Yeah, I think, I think he had, I think what you just said is DB. I don't necessarily think he's a corner. I wouldn't say he's a safety. I think he's just a DB. In this day and age and with how football is played now, the days of you're just a cover corner, those days are over with. Oh, you're a physical DB. You can come up and make a play. I think he has the ability to basically find a solution for whatever the problem is throwing his way. And it's something that, for me, it going back, I'm just so impressed by his ability in space because, you know, Space is really what is the field providing you and taking away space of your opponents, the spacing of yourself, and using it all accordingly. And it just, I say it a lot, but it's something with him that just really, really strikes me. No one can see what you see even when they see it too. No one can think what you think, even when they're trying to problem solve a similar problem. You know, no one can adapt like you can. 
And you do all that in what? We do it in space. Sometimes I don't think we give the game of football the respect it deserves for what is happening in space. So it means you do it all in space, with space, off the space. The space means something to you. And then for Gilmore, I just think he has such an ability to really, it's almost like he has 10 eyes and two brains. Because it's really something where as he's perceiving one problem, as that problem is changing, he doesn't get stuck in, well, I perceived this. So now I must problem solve this way. He has such an ability to say, I'm perceiving multiple things happening. As it's changing, I'm changing my solution as the problem changes. And it's, he, has a, he has a great ability to play man. He has the ability to follow the wide receiver, the star wide receiver on the opposing team. He has the ability to come up and be physical in the running game. And even, like I said, that play that he made with the Rams uh, running back, it's not only the ability to be physical, but to me, it's really the skill of adapting and the skill of decision-making. Because he had two – it's pretty wild. He had two plays that were similar. The first one came actually when he was with Buffalo, and it was versus New England, where he went over the side of the wide receiver to win the game, knocking the ball down. And it's almost like he's silly putty. You t- he took himself where most DBs, a lot of DBs, would go over the top for a flag. They would either run through the wide receiver for a flag, or they would try to hook him and then reach around. He has this ability to see the problem unfolding, and then he's like, he, he honestly becomes water around the wide receiver, where he went over, reached around with the other hand, but he did the same exact play versus Jacksonville in the playoffs where he worked his way across the field through traffic. Now, we're playing man coverage. He worked his way across the field through traffic with the game on the line. So now it's a very stressful situation. The environment's adding another component to it, and he did the same thing. He didn't hook. He didn't go over the top. He was able to flow just like water around the object, which is the wide receiver, with his main focus being that ball. And he didn't go over top for the flag. He literally bent his body, went above and around, reached over the top, knocked knocked the ball away. And to me, both of those plays, and there's a lot of guys that probably would have made the similar type play, maybe their own way. But for him, it was, I said, you know what? It was water. It was his ability not only to flow, his ability to perceive the problem, but also his ability now to be able to almost be molded by what is that object, the wide receiver. But then he understood, not only am I doing all that, I'm not just worried about this wide receiver. I'm playing in space. The ball, I'm worried about the ball. I'm worried about how space changes. And he honestly, as I watched both of them plays and I went back and I really looked at them, I could just see water just flowing through a creek, then going into a waterfall, then crashing hard, going over rocks. It was just a continuous change, and he was able to just flow and feel whatever the environment was providing him. See, and, and that's that's what goes back to that point that you made earlier when we started this whole conversation talking about, you know, the shape of the container really being the essence of what it means to be water. You're literally describing it right there in terms of the problem itself, the entirety of the situation in which the athlete is performing, literally revealing how fluid they are because the, the 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 great athlete, the the most skillful, the most dexterous, is going to be the most fluid. 
the player that can literally adapt to the to the situation as it unfolds. And it was just so eloquently put there by you. And I just had to highlight and connect those dots because it was just so well said. And now I do have a question for you to kind of take us through. You talked about how, you know, a player, no player sees the same thing the same way. And a lot of that has to do with who they are, which is something that I stole from you and I continue to steal from you all the time, (laughs) which is who is the player? Because I thought that was a very profound comment, who they are. And I'd like to know where they're, where does Stefan Gilmore's authenticity come in? Not only in the way that he's able to find solutions, but what makes his solutions authentic to him in terms of maybe how his physical makeup works in harmony with both his perceptions and his actions. Where do you see some of that? Because I know that we, we tend to live in a game where we, we, we tend to profile positions with certain heights and weights and structural compositions. And, and that's not, that's not true. We, we believe that at least in, I know that you and I talk about this all the time. We believe in authenticity, that fingerprint, that who they are is authentic to them. And I'm curious what would be what what does that thumbprint look like when you really kind of look at where the physical and the perceptual intertwine in terms of the way they act on the field? Where do you see some of that where he's not your typical or special DB in some ways, but he uses it in such an incredible way? Well, you need a comment just a bit ago about dexterity, and it made me think about the Bernstein quote where it says dexterity is not confined within the movements or actions themselves but is revealed in how these movements behave in their interaction with the environment, which is unexpectedness and surprises. And for me, it, everything you just said, it made me think about another play that he had. It was also versus the Rams and he got beat and uh, the ball, you know, they were, the ball was thrown into the end zone. He got beat and he had the wherewithal in that moment perceptually where I like to just call it uh, layered perception because there's a lot going on. You're not just perceiving one thing. Because all your surroundings, there's other things coming in and out of your perception. And there's other things taking place that are going to affect what you're seeing in the first place. So he was beat. And the safety was coming over in the end zone. The ball was arriving. And he had the wherewithal to slightly tug the wide receiver's arm. By doing so, it was able to slow the wide receiver's stride down just a tad. Because we all know sprinting-wise is being led by your arms. So when he tugged the wide receiver's arm, he allowed the wide he he allowed the wide receiver to have to slow down and it gave the safety a just enough time to come over there and knock the ball from the wide receiver. And when I watched that play, I thought, you know, we all know speed and strength and all these abilities. They all have to be looked at under the context of what player happens on the field, what the player's position is, how he moves, how he uses them. And I thought even when he's beat, he had the wherewithal to not only be out of phase, he did not panic. He continued to read the wide receiver's back of a hip, made up the ground, and he realized this is a situation where I got two options. I'm either going to give up a touchdown or I can now see and perceive and understand that my teammate, the safety's coming over, and slight grab changed it all and it allowed safety and come over and knock the ball loose and when I saw that I just really thought to myself it's really having the ability not only to perceive you know the big problem in front of you but you're perceiving the changes of everything around you while it happens so now what you're doing is is basically a math problem you're connecting all the dots 
you're taking this is happening, that's happening, this is changing, that's changing, and now it's equaling the lump sum of the totality of everything that's happening around you in the football environment. And for me, that play was, I think it's probably a play that a lot of people would watch and they would be like, all right, you know what, he got beat. Safety came over, helped him out. I mean, we know how it is. You know, hey, he got beat, safety helped him out. He'll get toasted on the next next route if he does the same thing. Where it was really, it was such a subtle grab, but to him it was, even when out of phase, I can perceive what's going on and I see, wow, this is amazing. I can still make this play because I'm perceiving not only the problems happening in different areas, but the solutions coming into my actual perception right now. You know, and, and I love that because I think that that's the, that's the very sentiment of what I hope people took from this series when we're talking about these various movement marvels is that, you know, these are not premeditated techniques. These are not, you know, premeditated things. These are things that are occurring on the field and flowing on the field, being channeled by all these informational resources, their behaviors, their actions are being channeled by their physical capabilities, their perceptual capabilities, their cognitive or intentional capabilities, as well as those of the the interacting um, players on the field, the opponents. So everything together is really shaping what they do. So yeah, let me ask you this, Ross, and, and, and again, as we kind of get to the second half of our conversation. Stefan Gilmore is an exceptional example, you know, of what a DB can be or should be. But nobody's perfect, right? So are there are there any kind of situations that still challenge Stefan Gilmore from some of your thoughts and and I know this is general because a lot of good coaching and a lot of good kind of opportunities to work with players comes from the ability to speak with them, talk to them, understand what yeah. they were thinking. So we're really, really taking a very distant 35,000 foot view here. When we make these drastic generalizations and paint with these broad brushes, but from your viewing on film, are there any challenges still for Stefan Gilmore situations that really may challenge him in that perceptional action coupling? that we talk about all so often. I think, I think the beauty of skill overall anyways, is that it's never finished. You know, people, a lot of times people will hear the word skill acquisition and they believe it's something that could be inquired. And then you have it. It's like, you've been given the key you've accomplished. You have the key that's going to unlock all the boxes where, as we know, skill is acquired time and time again. And each new opportunity presented each new space, each new, so for him, I look at it and I say he has the ability to continue to improve as his skills may degrade with age. And we know as players get older, suddenly your speed's not going to be the same. And he's not old yet. He still has. He's in the prime of his career. But I look forward to seeing every year what what is the new kind of component he adds into his skill toolbox. Because I think right now he's doing everything at such a high level that we know, and especially in the NFL, the opposing teams are going, they're going to pick you apart to try to find a weakness. Maybe that's going to be we're going to start throwing more double moves at him or we're going to start putting him a little bit tighter with maybe going three wide or on a side. We're going to try to start putting him in situations to manipulate him and fail. So this next year, every year that you're great, just like we saw with Dion and Revis and all the all the greats, every great year you have, 
they spend the entire offseason trying to find a way to pull you down, rip you down, and now we're going to try to exploit something from your game. So for him, I think really the thing that he just needs to continue to do is to continue to acquire his skill over and over again in each new situation that he's in, each new play that comes his way, and to continue to trust himself really is what it's going to be. Because I don't know, there are some guys out there who have great seasons, three or four great seasons, and then all, all of a sudden they get locked into, this, well, I've done this before, this is how I've solved the problems, so I'm going to just keep doing it. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, old solutions no longer solve new problems. So for him, it's just, I think right now he's doing everything at such a high level. If he can just continue to trust what he sees, believe what you see, and believe that what he sees he can then decision make off of, I think then if he just keeps that mindset that I'm, I'm acquiring my skill over and over again and each new affordance that's presented versus each new wide receiver, I think he can just continue to take his game and elevate his skill to an either, even higher level. And and that's and I like that you said that you're never truly acquiring skill. That it is something that is always being acquired. It's something that you're always kind of adapting, constantly building over time. And I wonder to you know when it comes to coaching and to analysis, it's the same thing. You're always building your repository of tools and understandings of your of your medium, so to speak. Whether that's working with athletes or observing athletes on film, you're always developing and acquiring that skill. So for our analysts out there, those that are kind of, you know, glued to the film room, always watching defensive backs, what lessons could Stefan Gilmore teach us as analysts observing on film? What are some things that enduring understandings or lessons that Stefan might teach us in terms of observing the defensive back position? I think believing is seeing. You have to trust your eyes. And it's at the DB position, if a, if a DB can believe what he sees and he can trust his eyes and he can put his eyes, put his initial gaze in some of those right places, that sometimes even when a guy gets beat on film, you don't need to take it and say, hey, this guy can't cover this route or this guy doesn't have the speed to do this. Or maybe he may, you know, maybe a wide receiver threw a great move at him at the line of scrimmage and he got... I think you just need to start looking at the DB position through that player's eyes. Because if he can, if he believes what he sees and his perceptual ability is going to be able to be what leads him, then he's going to be able to start flowing. He's going to be able to start being like water. And I think that's, I think that's a key because way too many times do we get focused on this guy runs a four three forty, but he's blind as a bat. So now he's just the fastest guy out there to get beat. Where if we really start looking at these traits that DBs have, he's physical, he's fast, he's explosive, all these things. But we really start looking and saying, hey, you know, even when this guy got beat, like Gilmore did on the play versus the Rams, and he's out of phase, he didn't panic. He didn't look back and then begin to drift. He didn't actually create more separation for a wide receiver. He trusted his eyes. He said, hey, my eyes, my eyes are not going to lie to me. They just told me this guy got by me. He's created separation. So now let me transfer my perception where I'm going to read the back of the hips. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read his back and I'm just going to make up that ground. And then, you know what? Now I have the ability to still trust my eyes. I can play his hands if I have to and knock the ball away. I know the ball must come to the wide receiver's hands for a catch. So if that's worst case scenario, I'll play his hands or like he did on that play. He wasn't in that position. 
He trusted what he saw. He trusted what was going on. He trusted what the environment gave him because he knew we're going into the end zone. There's no more space. Space, my spatial awareness is now telling me it's limited. My spatial awareness is now telling me my teammate, the safety is now coming over. So let me just grab the arm just slightly. Let me reduce the wide receiver stride. Let me slow him down just in time for my teammate to come over and knock the ball out. I think it really is. If we can look at the DB position under letting perception lead the way, then all of a sudden all those great abilities, like Michael said, the wide receivers are the best athletes on the field. They're great athletes. I still think the DBs are probably the better athlete on the field just because they're going backwards. But if they can just start looking at those abilities through a mindset and through a lens of skill, but also just realizing what that like who, it goes back to what we spoke about last year, who is skill. And if we look at who that player is, no one can see what you see, even if they see it too. So if we start looking at the DB position through a perceptual lens, then really even when you're out of phase, if you're beat, whatever the case may be, you can still trust what you see and you can still find a way to get it done. I, I just think that that's so key. And it goes back even to what you said at the beginning. You know, it's better to start looking at the things that we can describe, the things that we can see, you know, in terms of instead of trying to understand what they're thinking, you know, let's look at the situation as it changes and unfolds. And let's use that as a way to understand their perception, where their eyes might be. And then you can kind of backtrack that to where their gaze is actually focused. And then you can be able to maybe connect the dots. And I think that that's such a powerful lens, that idea of looking at the problem and back solving, so to speak, to the player themselves in terms of who they are on the field. And now, Ross, I mean, you've been so gracious with your time. I don't want to you know, take advantage of that. But do you think what are the, the last kind of enduring understandings or lessons Stefan Gilmore might teach us as coaches? If we're coaching the defensive back position, what are some things that we might want to let, you know, kind of bring to our practices if we are so lucky to have practices this upcoming fall and it's safe? What, what do you think we might learn from our lessons of Stefan Gilmore and bring that to the field? What are some things we can do as coaches? I think you really need to just think about things through adaptability. Of course, we all know there are certain techniques that are needed. We all know there are certain schemes that are run, and within those schemes there are certain demands. But even within that, really look at the DB position for who that athlete is. Because then if he's a guy who is a physical, a lot of his solutions he likes to be physical, then even if he's playing cover two, you don't have to have him just sink. Give him the opportunity to still get that jam. Use his physicality and then sink. Don't strip a player away from their skill. Allow them to find solutions, even within the technique you're using, even within the schemes that you are using. Allow them to still be who they are. And if you do that, you actually, as a coach, as a trainer, as a scout, you can sit back and you can say, I can now see who this player is. So then even within your scheme, you are now fitting things and tailoring things for who your players are, not only at the DB position, at every position. And now you're going to get the best out of that player because you have you are no longer taking him and trying to shove him into a box. I am now saying, hey, the only box here will be we're playing cover two. You know the demands of which you need to excel within cover two. You know what you need to do. But I'm going to allow you to do it for who you are. 
and at the DB position. And I think it's something he's on a great team because Bill Belichick constantly does it in the New England Patriots organization. They constantly do it. They take guys and they say, I don't need you to be anybody else. I need you to do well what you do well. And I'm going to put you in positions and situations that when the problem presents itself, I'm a, I want you to solve that problem for who you are as an athlete. And I think if we do that in practice, not only for the DB position, with, with every position, and we look at that as scouts in the same way, we'll start really seeing who is this player? Who is this player? What is his skill? Who is he? And that question alone, if we ask that, then we can start finding ways to put guys in scenarios, situations, and practice to start building that, even within the framework of whatever technique we're using and whatever scheme we may be running. He is Ross Cooper. Not only is he available on Twitter, but you can reach out to him um, as much as you want on Twitter because I know that he's always checking things out and representing all these different levels of understanding. He really has one of the best timelines out there in terms of following and understanding not only DB play, but football play across the spectrum. Ross, thank you so much for being a guest on the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. Ross, where else can, can play, can people find you players, coaches, how can they get in touch with you? Is there any other way to do that? Where, where specifically on Twitter in terms of your handle, where can they get in touch? Yeah, I think we went over this last year too. It's a bit of a crazy name, man, but it's, um, it's, it's gorilla. And instead of muscles, it's, M-Y-S-C-L-E-S, and basically the quick little backstory is I had a, had a guy who was special needs, and um, I wasn't on anything, and he wanted to make me one, and every day when we were going to the weight room, he would always like crack jokes, make his flex his arms, he would say, we're going to make gorilla muscles, and he, he misspelled it, but we kept it, I kept the spelling, and we went with that, so yeah, anyone can reach out to me there. You know, people can feel free to, if they ever want to talk about anything, shoot me an email. My email is rmc2123 at gmail.com. And like you know, Matt, I don't have all the answers. But the, I think the great thing when it comes to skill is you don't need the answers because the problems actually provide context for us to show. They show us what the answer is. So I'm always open to talk and learn and share and go from there. And that's what makes Ross, I think, one of the one of the best people in our community. And, and really, we have such a great community in general. But I know that Ross is genuine when he says, you know, he always wants to talk and understand what you're seeing and share and better understand things. It's the reason why I've learned so much from him. And I, I, Ross, thank you on behalf of the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast and everybody here. Thank you so much for being a guest. And for everybody out there, thank you so much for listening to the summer seminar series as we've taken this idea of movement marvels and hopefully have explored it through many different lenses and hopefully we've done our job taking you a little closer to the game and for all of you out there we wish you and your families health and safety throughout this chaotic time in our nation we hope this has been an opportunity to kind of unwind and enjoy a little bit of football talk so again beyond behalf of myself uh, Coach Ross Cooper and the rest of the team at the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.